Hey guys, welcome. My name is Neil Crawford, and I'm the host of the Inside Scoop and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you haven't checked out early in earlier episodes, I encourage you to do so because the Inside Scoop has turned out to be a wonderful show. It's dedicated to helping parents understand the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And we've traveled, traveled to Europe and to Africa, and soon we're headed down to uh, Latin America as well. So I encourage you to check out the Inside Scoop so you can learn firsthand from firsthand experience of parents, coaches, and players who live in different cities where they compare their youth soccer journeys um, to those in the States. But the way we do things here on the Inside Scoop podcast is we have that show, which is our bread and butter, but occasionally I'll drop nuggets of uh, tips that I've learned along the way as a parent trainer. And as a matter of fact, this particular show is just dedicated to addressing and following up to a show I did last week on uh, that was entitled The Five Secrets of Ball Mastery. And in that show, if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to do so. But in that show, I spoke directly to the parent trainer where I defined what I believed um, a parent trainer is. And I got a lot of great feedback from that show. I got some critical feedback as well. I, got, oh, I love all the feedback that I received. And some of the questions and some of the comments on our Facebook group encouraged me to share this quick follow-up to do two things. Number one, I'm going to talk about um, a particular mistake I made, and, and I promised my audience that I would do that. And the second thing is I'm going to talk to you guys about um, what we have in store for you in the future. So let's first talk about what we have in store for you in the future. So part of the mission of Anytime Soccer Training is to provide parents or empower parents to support their child um, by providing actionable information. Again, it's we want to support you in supporting your child by providing you with actionable information information and that's part of what this whole podcast is about and so I'm trying to be an open book I've been doing this for almost 10 years so I definitely want to help parents get some practical tips on things they can do on the training pitch and things that they should avoid if possible or at least be aware of um, based on the mistakes I have made but I'm only one person so what I'm going to do is we're launching a, a series that I'm entitling Raising the Whole Child. And what what we'll do in that series is each week we're going to invite different guests who focus on different areas of um, of athletics and raising children and, 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 and professions, I'll say, for lack of a better word. So let me give you a couple of examples. We have one guest that's lined up that's going to talk more about alternative medicines and meditation and how that and what role that plays in youth sports. We have another guest lined up that's going to talk more about the uh, physical um, injury side of it, injury prevention, and and give tips to parents on on what you should and shouldn't do from that perspective. And there are a lot of common area injuries that unfortunately plague us in uh, in youth sports. So we have a guest that's going to talk about that. We have another guest that's going to focus more on the goal setting and the mentality, especially for the older kids. But it does go all the way down to the younger ones. So, and we'll keep adding guests who have a very specific 
focus area and then I want to create a network for you so that um, we you know through this dialogue if you want to reach out to them and learn more about their service or if there's a way that they can help you then by all means I encourage you to do so because I'll, I'll definitely be doing that myself now if you can picture this those will be those professionals will be the spokes and I'll be in the center and I'm gonna share with them some of my opinions some of my experiences, the feedback that I received from you guys so that they can give us a more measured and studied and and research-based answer to some of these challenges. But, you know, sometimes you just got to keep it real. You know, been there, done that, trial and error. So I will also offer some tips parent to parent, coach to coach on what I've done with my children and hopefully you know, even if you don't take the advice uh, verbatim, it will begin to help you think about how you can incorporate some of that into your life. So that's what we're going to do in the future. Now, today I want to talk about one mistake that I made early on that I came up with my own solution for, because I promised the listeners um, that I would share more of the mistakes I made, because I tell you, you know, it's not always been rosy. Being a parent trainer can be kind of difficult, right? And I, and I mentioned that in a previous podcast that we get it from all different angles. And there's not a lot of resources out there for us to help us navigate this very um, uh, precarious, we'll say, balance between striking the right amount of deliberate practice and fun. So for those folks who have not listened to the um, previous show, let me just say that in that show, I defined what I believed were the major characteristics of a parent trainer. And I felt like you, you know, it was important to define that because you needed to put the advice that I'm going to provide in its proper context. Okay. So if you have not listened to the show for your benefit, I'm just going to give you the short version of what, what I said or what I discussed. So in terms of defining who the parent trainer is and who this advice is really re most relevant for, I said a couple of things. Okay? The parent trainer, first and foremost, is, the, is, is defined by their belief system, what they believe. Okay, And then they typically have actions and they engage in actions on a daily basis that support those beliefs. And it's not really specific to youth soccer. We happen to be talking about youth soccer, but it could be anything. And it could be their children or they could be, you know, talking about themselves. It doesn't matter. It's, they have a certain belief system and then their daily actions um, support that belief system. And then two more things. And it's part of that belief system. And a very important part of that belief system is they believe in the benefit and the power of deliberate practice and they've seen deliberate practice work well in their own life and they've seen evidence of deliberate practice working well in other people's lives and then the next point is as it comes to becoming a parent because these these are parent trainers they believe that in order to help their child reach their full potential or they believe their child won't won't indeed reach their full potential in soccer or anything else um, that they want to focus on if they outsource 100% of the development and instruction 
to someone else, right? So if it's a pie chart, you know, 20% might go to this trainer and 30% may go to this coach or whatever the numbers are. But the parent believes that a portion of that development and instruction has to come from them. Now, what I want to dig a little deeper on is that the parent trainer, though, is really stepping in for the child until the child um, steps in for themselves, right? So it's not that you need the parent per se to, um, to be part of this development matrix or this development. You just need the individual to take ownership of their own development. In other words, if I'm going to college, I'm going to school, it doesn't matter, elementary school, college, the only time that I'm studying and learning can't be when I'm in the classroom or when I'm in um, being tutored. I have to study and learn on my own. But the challenge is, as a very young person, um, they're not going to have that kind of self-discipline or even understand the importance of the self-discipline to do this stuff on their own. So the parent trainer steps in and provides this structure um, and provides the systems and provides the encouragement and quite frankly, sometimes forces them to do these things, right? And over time, what you're hoping is that you, there's less push from you and more pull uh, from the child. But that's sort of the framework that the parent trainer is, um, is working under. All right, so now that we've established that, then we start thinking about, well, what are some of the challenges that parents face in youth sports? And are there any challenges and mistakes that are unique to the parent trainer? Because that's kind of how I, that's the framework that I, I like to create frameworks before I give particular advice, because the frameworks that you use help us sort of really understand the content and apply it to different areas of our lives. So, so again, there are challenges that all youth sports parents face. Right. And. And all youth sports parents can potentially make certain mistakes and some parents are better at avoiding certain mistakes than others. So if we think about it like a, a Venn diagram, you have, you know, youth sports parents and everybody's going to be a youth sports parent. And then there's another uh, sphere of, of youth sports parents who are also parent trainers. And all of us can make certain mistakes and we all face certain challenges in a competitive soccer or sports environment that we need to avoid. So one common one that you often hear and one that I try my best to avoid, and you know, I'm not perfect. None, you, the listeners are probably not perfect, but I try my best to avoid a common mistake is um say not coaching on the sidelines right or not yelling instructions to your child on the sidelines during the game that's a challenge or if you will or a mistake that you know any youth sports parent can make fortunately the majority of us don't but unfortunately a material material amount of us do so much so that it's a it's become a national issue and something that we're going to talk about on this show 
um, as we go on. And, and we're going to start thinking about ways how we can at least not be that parent for our child. And it's very, very unfortunate. But I'm just using that as one example to say, hey, any youth sports parent needs to be cognizant of that sort of behavior. And that's sort of an, something that we're all familiar with. But there are a unique set of challenges that mainly only the parent trainer is going to face, right? And those are the ones that I'm going to start sharing with you from my experience. And those are the ones that I'm also going to pose to our guest. But it's important to understand that if you don't believe in deliberate practice, if you don't believe that there's power in, in teaching your child how to, how, you know, how to gain a competitive advantage in a competitive situation, if you don't believe in the virtue of teaching your child how to train smart as well as train hard, if, if, if none of that really matters, then these other challenges to you, you can just avoid them. And there's no judgment, right? Because uh, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by no judgment in a second, but you can avoid these other set of challenges. So let me give you an example. So uh, my older son used to be in this classical music uh, program, right? And I can't even remember what instrument he played. It was some weird instrument, but he, he really enjoyed it. And, and the thing I hated about it, it was really big. I'm going to look it up and face it, post it on Facebook. But it was in the trumpet family. And the thing I hated is he could never carry the instrument. I had to carry it everywhere he went. I was just begging him to switch to the trumpet, but he just never did. And that's an aside. But he was in, in this classical music um, program. And some of the kids were really into it. And they were musically inclined. And they practiced all the time. And they were really good. My son was decent. But, you know, he didn't really apply himself outside of the musical program, right? Well, I didn't spend a lot of time in the, you know, in the context of music, forcing him to practice his scales per se, or setting up a practice schedule uh, for him outside of the musical uh, classes. And so that's kind of an acknowledgement that, you know, he's not going to reach his full potential in music because, you know, I didn't take an active, active role in working with him and forcing him to work on his music outside of the classes that he was receiving. And guess what? That's fine. You know, it was an elective thing that we did as an enrichment just so he could get exposed to music and he did his plays and, you know, we, we enjoyed it because you can't be hardcore about everything, right? So, and then there were some parents who I probably would consider parent trainers who said, you know what? I believe in deliberate practice. I want my child to be really good at this particular interest uh, instrument. So we're going to work on this and that's fine. All right. But if we were talking about music, the challenges that those parents had with maybe getting their child to practice on a nice sunny day when everybody else is going to the swimming pool, I don't even see those challenges because I'm not trying to get my child to be, uh, to practice music. Right. Well, the same thing applies to youth soccer there. You're going to, as a parent trainer, you're going to experience challenges and you're going to make mistakes that other people just quite frankly don't even make. Right. And so the purpose of the future shows is to dig into those as well. So we'll talk about the general challenges that all parents face. And then we're going to dig deep into the challenges that 
are unique to parent trainers. And that's the value add I hope we get from the podcast because those are the resources that um I I just don't I don't I never I don't see them available, right? And I think part of it is because people don't want to have these honest conversations about, you know, how much they push their child in the context of sport. I, I would argue it's not fashionable. It's not fashionable to say, yeah, you know, I take my kid to the park on Saturdays and we train for an hour and sometimes he doesn't want to go and I force him. I mean, that's not I mean, who wants to say that. Right. So, you know, I get it. But that's what this show is about. So I hope I hope you appreciate that. All right. So now to one of the major mistakes I made. And, and again, hopefully no judgment here. But I'm going to tell you a mistake that I used to make. And I'm going to tell you how I tried to how I fixed the mistake. And and when I say fix, it's not a static term. I mean, we still struggle with it. But, you know, for the most part, it's gotten a lot better since I implemented this uh, this idea. OK, so my we don't live in the city that my I grew up. So my sons are not around a lot of their cousins that often. OK, and so it's a little bit from that perspective, there are a lot less distractions in terms of sticking to a particular schedule and doing things on certain days. And one time we went to visit my mom, who lives about two and a half hours from us. And two of my little cousins, my nephews were down. And we, they were all at my mother's house. And I told my son, I think it was a Saturday, hey, we're going to go because on Saturday mornings we would typically do maybe a 20, 30 minute um, soccer session. So I pulled him aside, say, hey, listen, in about an hour, I want you to break away. We're going to do the thing, do our little soccer session. I'm going to train you basically. And then you can come back and hang out with the friends. And he said, OK. Well, you know, they started playing Xbox and all this kind of stuff. And then when the time came, I effectively said, listen, it's time to go. We got we got to go. It's time to go. Let's go do it really quickly before it gets hot. And then you come back. And as an adult, in my mind, I'm thinking, listen, you got 23 hours to hang out with your cousins. We're going to spend one hour on the training pitch and then you can come back and do your own thing. And boy, he got really upset. Right. He was like, I don't want to go. And you're forcing me. And then. um, I have a younger brother who's looking at me like I'm soccer Hitler. Like, see, why are you forcing him to train all the time? And then not understanding the whole context that, you know, this is a routine that we have every weekend. And I didn't even think anything of it. And I thought he, you know, and in retrospect, it was a huge mistake, right? Because he's enjoying his family. And to him, it's like, wow, well, you know, do we have to do this right now? And he didn't have a way to communicate to me um, that no not today, dad, but it's not because, you know, I'm being lazy or whatever. I just want to really relax with my family. And you might say, well, God, won't, aren't you, you know, you're, you're an adult. Won't, won't you perceive what's going on? And yet in retrospect, I learned that I don't even go there if we have other distractions, but you have to understand that if you're raising a child and you set a routine of whether it be homework, music, lesson, music lessons, soccer lessons, it doesn't matter. You're going to get pushback. And if you don't get pushback, please send me an email, neil, N-E-I-L, at anytime-soccer.com. I would love to bring your child. If you have a child who is willing to train with you two, three days a week uh, on basic ball mastery skills or anything, any other rudimentary type skill work, and you don't get any pushback, I would love to meet this this child because they'd be quite unique in this regard. So you're always going to get some pushback sometimes. So at some point. 
And if you're if your child is kicking and screaming all the time, then, uh, you know, yes, you, you guys need to reassess is is this doing more harm than good. So, for example, I probably wouldn't force my child to practice um, music lessons five days a week because he's just not into it like that. And, and, and it would just it would just be very painful. But soccer, he enjoys it. And so we'll do the training and then we'll play around. It's not something he hates. You know, but at the same time, no kid wants to go outside and kick the ball a thousand times either. So anyways, so I thought maybe he was just saying no. I thought, okay, he's saying no now, but it's because of the distractions. But once we get him out of here, out of the house, then he, you know, he'll see that it's worth it and we'll be done and it won't take very long. And he just didn't, he just didn't like it. Okay. So that's one mistake. And then there is a sort of uh, regular mistake that may not appear to be a mistake it's a challenge to me but as i'm reflective i'm thinking you know am i doing the right thing which is you know i I, i'm a former marathon runner not a serious runner but i run ran about seven eight marathons casually and you know when you run marathons you you have a set schedule right and you run typically four to five days a week and that's kind of what you do but you can shift those days around and you can shift the time of day that you do those um, runs as well, as long as you get them in, right? You got to get a certain amount of mileage per week to stay on course. Well, what I worried a lot about with training my son on a regular basis was, boy, is he actually tired today? But he's telling me, yes, he's going to do it because dad wants him to do it. And he feels that pressure that he's going to let me down. Or does he is he saying no because he wants to do it later and he just didn't have and he didn't have the the vocabulary and the courage and the age and you know you have that parent child uh, dynamic to tell me or to be able to articulate to me exactly what he was feeling right so if he said sometimes he might say no but he's just kind of like talking because he's thinking about something else and sometimes he'd say yes but then we get to the field like he said he's gun ho to go and we get to the field and he's acting like he's really tired or not himself and it was just you know kind of hard to figure out so that's an example where i could be making a mistake and not realize it all right so now that we've established that which is basically how do i know when my child sincerely doesn't want to go and sincerely needs a break And how do I manage, even if he is sincerely telling me yes, how do I manage and and be responsive and and, and say no, you know, I hear you're saying yes, but let's wait, right? So, and how do I do that, but ensure that we stay stay within a consistent schedule so that we don't undo the mental sort of programming that I've instilled, which is, Hey, this is kind of like part of the deal. Just like you go to school every day, we're going to do a soccer session twice a week. So I took a page and I wrote a blog about this and I'll, I'll post it in the Facebook group. I took a page from the pediatricians, um, when it came to pain and understanding, you know, in communicating, allowing the children to communicate how much pain they're in. And if anybody's been to a pediatrician when their child is in pain, you know, they have this sort of pain chart and they'll say, OK, you know, one to two means, yeah, I don't feel 100 percent, but I'm not that sick. And I'm kind of making this up, but it works something like this. 
you know, three to four is, ugh, I feel a little icky. I don't want to go to school, but I don't necessarily need to go to the doctor. And then five to six is, uh, I'm sick and I need to go to the doctor, but I don't need to go to the ER. And then maybe seven to eight is, stop what you're doing. This really hurts. And then nine to 10 is, call the ambulance. You know, we really, I'm in some serious, severe pain. And the reason they do that is because if a child can, you know, hit their toe and they're going to react the, react the same way as if they broke their toe they you know they're gonna cry and burst out in pain and you they're gonna have the same reaction whether they stomp their toe or break their toe right and you 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 don't know and they can't communicate to you well it hurts but it's gonna go away i mean you think they're about to die right and so that's why they have the pain chart to help the child and give the child a vernacular to communicate to them so i took a page from that and I came up with this system for my older one. And I'll talk about my younger one in a second. But I came up with this system with my older one. All right. So it works like this. No, if he tells me one, it means he's ready to go. No problem. If he tells me two, right? I say, hey, you want, do you, we ready to go? Or is you, he said, if he says two, that means, boy, you know, I you know, I'd rather stay here and play Fortnite, but I understand that um, it's a process and I'm I'm going to go do it and get it done and then we'll be finished. If he tells me three, that means I don't want to do the session today. Right. I'm done. Or I don't want to do it right now, but, you know, I'm willing to do it another day this week during my off day. Right. And that's fine. And that's the same way I am about going to the gym or running. Sometimes I wake up on Monday morning. I'm just tired. I'm like, you know, normally I run on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. I'm just going to go ahead and run on Tuesday. And that's totally fine. If he says four, that means no, I don't want to go. And that also means dad, let's, we're not going to talk about it anymore. It's an, it's a hard stop, a flat no. And, and, and I actually enjoy that. As a matter of fact, when he says four, I thank him for being honest. Okay, cool. Because you know your body and that's good. And then if he says five, that means I want to do extra. Now, I got to be honest with you. I don't get too many fives, but when I do, I try to celebrate them the few times I do. But five means, hey, it's Tuesday. I don't, um, that's not my day to train, but hey, I'll go out there and do a quick juggling session. And that's a five, right? And if I, if I get it, then I'm just happy. Okay. Now that may sound like a lot, but it actually really, really worked because, um, it just gave, it empowered my child to communicate to me in a way that we already agreed upon. And it really was um, empowering for him. And it was actually very empowering for me. Because my child is kind of committed. I mean, he, he has a personality where he, he understands the process and he wants to get better. And he's kind of bought into it. Part of that is he, we're similar in some regards and part of it is how I raised him. But everybody needs, um, you know, a break and everybody, you know, occasionally wants to shift things around. And he just didn't have a way of communicate, communicating that to me other than saying no. And if you can imagine as a parent, the no um, was the same reaction that I would get for anything. So I had no way of distinguishing what he was really fit, what he was really feeling. So 
that worked out extremely well. So the logical question becomes, well, what happens if he says for all the time? Again, that's great. If, if, if you sign your child up for competitive soccer and you're like, listen, part of playing competitively is we need to work out in the yard at least once a week or twice a week or whatever you guys decide to do. And they never want to do that. They don't, they don't, they, you, they're kicking and screaming when you try to get them to do some deliberate practice. That's good information to know because you are creating the reality that they exist in, in the sense that you don't have to play competitive soccer for 10 months or your version of competitive soccer. Even if, even if you're in the same program, your version of competitive soccer and the way you communicate to that child is the way I dealt with music, right? So when my son was in a music lesson, so the music class, classical music class that my son was in, they were actually pretty hardcore and they did music lessons three to four days a week. It was like crazy. It was like an after school program and they were pretty hardcore, but I never really treated it anything other than the way I would treat a recreational program. Dropped him off, he did his music, and we left, and that was fine. So um I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit, but I guess I'm saying you you put the soccer in its proper context. But if you are trying to get more out of the game and use soccer in this case as the avenue to teach these life lessons, then this is one tip that I have for you. So that, that goes, so, so, so yeah, I think I remember. So if they're constantly saying four, then you guys need to reevaluate what level of soccer is right for that child and, and reevaluate their interests because you're not punishing the child by putting in, putting them into a program that matched their interests. Right? So if my child, if in this case, my son, if he never wanted to work on his own and never wanted to train with me and showed no interest or even if he did work with me, he was kicking and screaming, then I wouldn't punish him for that. God, no. But slowly I would start moving him to um, programs that were commensurate to his level of engagement. So that's that. Now, I didn't start off that way. So, you know, when my son, I think I started working with him when he was about six sort of with deliberate practice. And so I didn't start off that way because, you know, at six, they can't really understand that. So those first two years between six and eight, I was really firm about sticking to a schedule and making that ingrained in his, in his psyche. And then once he got a little bit older and as they get older, they have other interests as well. And things get other distractions, if you will, get introduced that's when I started slowly giving him more freedom to own his own path. So now at 10, he is totally aware of that. You know, sometimes it's hard work. Normally it's just a a little maintenance, but, and sometimes I want to do it and sometimes I don't. And dad's not going to be mad at me if I don't want to do it. And, and we have the number number system. And as a matter of fact, as he's gotten older, we've been using the numbers less because he's much more able to communicate nuance to me. And a year of using the numbers has proven to him that 
you know, it's your thing, man. You, you know, if you, I'm here, if you want to go out there and, and do this, then I'm here to support you. If you're tired, I'm here. And I, and I, you know, I'm just here for you. So whichever one you want to do. And so we'll talk about other mistakes I've made along the lines of that. And I'll give you one um, foreshadowing of that. And then we'll talk about those mistakes in another episode, which is what I used to do before the numbering system was if he said no, I try to use what I would call adult logic to convince, to motivate him to want to go out there. And that's, I found that to be a huge mistake. And we'll, we'll talk about that in another show, but yeah, the, the children are too young to understand that doing these particular actions are going to have a huge benefit for them later. So I try to avoid that at all costs. I think it adds pressure to them and, and it gives them something to think about that they're not mentally able or developed enough to even to even process it. So I'm going to wrap that up net here. I hope you found um this show uh, helpful. I'm not a professional speaker. I've said this on Facebook. I'm just a dad just trying to share a tip with you guys. And hopefully it will stimulate conversation on our Facebook group and any other social media channels so that then we can dig deeper um, and, and follow up. And so again, the, the shows in the future are going to do two things. We're going to address, we're going to get some insight and some expert advice from expert guests. Then we're going to also talk to these expert guests about some of the challenges that all youth soccer parents face. And then we're going to dig really deep on some of those challenges that um, are particular to youth soccer parent trainers. And I'm going to ask my listeners to please post questions in social media in the Facebook groups or send me an email and I will ask those questions to our guests as well, because um, some of the challenges you're facing will obviously be different than the challenges that I'm facing. So if you like this podcast and you like what I'm trying to do, please um, like and subscribe and, and leave a review. That really makes me forget about the Apple rankings and all that kind of stuff. I'm just not there yet. It just makes me feel good when I see that someone is listening. So <laughs> I really, really appreciate a, a review or, or liking it or sharing it or discussing it. It's just, it just is what it is. And if you haven't checked out www.anytime-soccer.com, uh, please do so and collect your 50 free ball mastery and juggling videos. And as an aside, uh, the website is actually being transferred now as we speak. So if you go to that website and it doesn't work, I apologize. Um, we're working through that. Please send me an email to neil, N-E-I-L, at anytime-soccer.com, and I'll get those videos out to you as well. So I hope you found this helpful. Um, that wraps it up. Let's get better together. <laughs>